0: Darren Pritchett.
1: I don't sing. I really don't do karaoke. So I will save you a line or two of sweet home, Alabama. Wow. Tyler Buckner did not take long visited Tuscaloosa yesterday. And he's already made the announcement. Tyler Buckner is now a quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. From our studios in downtown South Bend, a couple of three irons away from the campus of the University of Notre Dame. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, April the 27th of 2023. Five days ago, Tyler Buckner was running around Notre Dame Stadium. Not having the greatest of days, to be quite honest. While his counterpart, Sam Hartman, had a fantastic day during the blue goal game. Who knows how much that had to do with the end result. Bottom line is, Tyler Buckner jumped into the transfer portal, visited Alabama yesterday, and just like that, he's playing for Nick Saban. That happened quickly. We'll get to that conversation more coming up in just a couple of seconds. Also on the program this evening, I will attempt on the night of the NFL draft to go through my mock draft for the first 18 picks. I took it through number 18 because the Detroit Lions have two first-round picks. They will select at number 6 and number 18. Of course, the Bears are sitting at 9 and the Colts at number 4. Also related to the NFL draft, the five most likely players the Bears could take at number nine tonight. We'll have that in our My Five question of the day. We'll have a Twitter question of the day to get to. Also, some sports wagering conversation. And at 6:15, we're going to talk some local high school baseball. Mishawaka baseball coach, John. Hammer's going to join us. His cavemen are 11-1, 5-0 in the Northern Lakes Conference, and they have a major showdown at Baker Park tomorrow night at 530 against a terrific Northridge team. That is 4-1. They got knocked off by Warsaw last night, so that's going to be a fantastic showdown. So we'll talk some high school baseball with John in just about an hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But we began with our hat trick of opening topics tonight. And up first, Tyler Buckner is now all about Roll Tide. Buckner, as I just mentioned a moment ago, visited Tuscaloosa yesterday. And just like that, he's now a member of the Crimson Tide. On social media, not a very long post. Here's what he had to say. Tyler Buckner wrote, My time at Notre Dame allowed me to grow and develop as a football player while building lifelong friendships that were forged under fire. Hmm. I love my teammates, and I will take those relationships with me for the rest of my life. They truly made my time at Notre Dame special. I also want to thank Coach Freeman, The coaching staff, support staff, and the entire Irish family for all they did to help me mature both on and off the football field. The second paragraph. Sometimes, life brings opportunities that are beyond anything you can imagine. And that is what has happened today. I have committed to play football for the University of Alabama and head coach Nick Saban. I know this is the best decision for my future, and I can't wait to get to Tuscaloosa and begin the next step of my football journey. That was the statement on social media from now former Fighting Irish quarterback Tyler Buckner. Now to briefly reset, just in case there are people in our listening audience that is not have not been following football closely, or not fans necessarily of Notre Dame football. Tyler Buckner has three years of eligibility remaining. Started last year as QB1 at Notre Dame. Against Ohio State, the game plan was set up for him not to do a whole lot. Game number two against Marshall, he did not play well. Had a couple of very important interceptions that helped Marshall Upset the Irish at Notre Dame Stadium. In that game, suffered a shoulder injury. That required surgery. He missed the next 10 games. Came back, got the rest off, played in the Gator Bowl. Had some great moments, had five touchdowns. Also had three interceptions in the ball game. Notre Dame, wanting to improve their chances to make the playoff. And improve their chances of winning a national title. Went out and got a veteran-proven quarterback in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest who rewrote the Wake Forest record books and portions of the ACC record books. So Buckner knew that Hartman was coming. Marcus Freeman let the quarterbacks know they were pursuing a veteran quarterback, Drew Pine, who started the 10 games that Buckner couldn't go, said see you later. He went off to Arizona State. Buckner stayed, participated in spring practice, competed against Sam Hartman. We were told it's a competition. Blue goal game happened. Hartman looks awesome. Buckner does not look awesome. At the end, we still have a quarterback competition. That was not enough for Tyler Buckner. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall like the rest of us, and he jumped into the portal with a do not contact me label next to his name, which means he had couple of spots in mind, probably, to go check out. First stop, Alabama. And apparently he was so wowed by Nick Saban and the Tide, he canceled his other visits and ended up committing to Alabama. So what did the Fighting Irish lose? Number one, they lost their backup quarterback in 2023. And their potential starting quarterback in 2024, maybe 2025, and likely he would get another year, 2026. Now, some other quarterbacks would have an argument about that and would have quite a say in who might be the starter in 25 and 26, but that's just the possibilities. No one who follows the Fighting Irish will dispute the ability to, of Tyler Buckner running with the football and being a factor in space. He makes people miss. Good speed, surprisingly strong, highly effective running the football. At Notre Dame, he ran the football 82 times in his career, 459 yards, and seven rushing touchdowns. His first year at Notre Dame, he was that... Change-up quarterback for Jack Cohn Got the chance to start last year. Injury prevented a full season of starting, potentially. And now this year in a competition, decided enough is enough. He moved on. Here's the thing with Tyler Buckner. We can all agree running ability is championship level. The problem is to date, and it's still... Could be in him, and we have not seen it consistently. But at this moment, he is not a championship-level thrower of the football. He's a good quarterback. He's a winning quarterback throwing the football. Winning quarterbacks better have an amazing offense around him and a defense like Georgia to win a national championship. You look at his final numbers at Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner... 67 of 118 completed only 56.8% of his throws, 949 yards, six touchdowns, with eight interceptions. Tyler Buckner is an individual that might have developed into a star passer, but we had not seen it consistently yet. You can't have The great moments against South Carolina, but then have the three interceptions. He is an individual that, from my standpoint in evaluating him, I'm not sure if he totally understands what defenses are doing to him yet or if he is reading it and not making the right decision. That's an area that's got to get better. We go back to on3.com. They're reporting yesterday. They had it first that Buckner was visiting Alabama. Matt Zenich talked to a coaching source not involved with Alabama or Notre Dame, and here's what he had to say about Tyler Buckner. Quote, I think the offense needs to fit him. I think he has the ability. I think he's really good at running the ball. He's very athletic and very quick. He makes people miss in space. He can definitely hurt you with his legs. I think he has the arm strength and everything to make the throws. He's just very inconsistent and sometimes he makes decisions that you're just like what are you doing? And I don't know if the system at Notre Dame necessarily fits him. I think he excels being able to use his legs, get in space and add that kind of element to the game. I think that's what kind of helps him and makes him feel more comfortable because you could even see in the ball game that when he ran a counter down near the goal line, he takes off and scores. That's his forte. I think that's where he excels is being able to use his legs to beat defenders and create space and extend plays. I don't think it's best to ask him to sit back and sit in the pocket and be like a pro style quarterback." That is a coach not involved in the Tyler Buckner sweepstakes, his thoughts on what he sees and Buckner and he doesn't feel like what Notre Dame was running fits Tyler Buckner. So many of you probably are thinking, okay, hold on, he can't start at Notre Dame, but the powerhouse program the last 20 years might use him as their starting quarterback in 2023. You might be asking, make this make sense. I'm going to try. Number one, we all agree, despite what was said publicly, which is oftentimes different than is said behind closed doors, there was a quarterback competition at Notre Dame, but Sam Hartman was going to win that job. Eventually, Sam would have taken control and maybe he already had, he's going to be the starter and Tyler Buckner's going to be the backup. The University of Alabama with their great head coach, Nick Saban, the GOAT, the premier college football program the last 20 years, they are not in the same situation as Marcus Freeman in the Fighting Irish. Alabama does not have a Sam Hartman. The Crimson Tide have the luxury of three fantastic years of quarterback Bryce Young, won a Heisman Trophy two years ago. Despite his phenomenal play last year, other parts of the team let down the Crimson Tide and a rare miss of the college football playoffs for Nick Saban in Alabama. I said this throughout the week. I'll say it again. I do not know every single thing going on with Alabama. My fiance is an Alabama fan, so I've watched every Alabama game the last three years. And from the outside looking in, I am still shocked that Alabama did not go out and get a quarterback in the transfer portal after last season, knowing that Bryce Young was gone. You're in a situation where Bryce Young got injured last year. And when he went out, you had Jalen Milroe come in. Like Tyler Buckner, an electric quarterback running the football. But he has not shown the ability to be a consistent thrower of the football. Unless they had a young quarterback that we had not seen I am shocked that Bama did not address this possible need months ago. So they go through the spring. Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson are the top two candidates to be Alabama's quarterback. Things don't go great during the spring. Saban does not throw roses at the feet of these quarterbacks at the end of the spring. Those two guys combined... three interceptions in their spring game and completed left in 50% of their throws. That's not promising. That is not going to beat LSU. That's definitely not going to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. So now you leave spring and you've got quarterback question marks. According to people who study the portal in this spring portion of the portal, Tyler Buckner was the best option out there. Tommy Reese brought Tyler Buckner to South Bend. Recruited him. Felt like that was my guy. Signed him. Tommy Reese left for Alabama during the offseason to become their offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. I'm still shocked that happened considering the high standard of Alabama offenses and What happened here in South Bend was not Alabama standards. But the fact is, Tommy Reese is at Alabama. Tyler Buckner looking for a new place to go. I mean, he walks into a wonderful spot. One of the elite teams in college football needs a quarterback. And the guy who likes you, recruited you, and coached you is now in charge of that offense. You talk about Christmas coming early. So, that's why there is an outside chance, despite what Alabama has accomplished, going to the playoffs, winning championships the last 20 years, they might need Tyler Buckner more than Notre Dame does at this particular moment. Bama needs to solidify their quarterback position, and the hope is they can groom Buckner into a more efficient thrower of the football. Make better decisions. You make bad decisions in the SEC. Well, I guess all I have to say is, look at the South Carolina game. And South Carolina was not elite in the SEC. They were good, but not elite. And had great success at times in that game, but also had some of those head-scratching moments with the three interceptions. What I found sort of interesting, maybe it was on accident, but Tyler almost threw a little water on Notre Dame by making a statement. And one of the things he mentioned, sometimes life brings you opportunities that are beyond anything you can imagine, and that is what's happened today. So apparently Notre Dame is not as big a deal to him as Alabama, and that's his right to believe that. And you know what? History shows Alabama the last 20 years is better than Notre Dame. Plain and simple, they played in the playoffs. Bama won, I don't want to say relatively easily, but they won convincingly. So, yeah, I guess if you want to go down that road, you can do so. Maybe it was on accident you make that statement. But it kind of feels like he was saying, you know, I had a Mercedes, but... All of a sudden, I've got a Lamborghini now. I can live without that comment, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Alabama is the elite college football program the last 20 years. Georgia's won it the last two years, so they have the bragging rights the last couple of years. But Bama is Bama, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to play for the Crimson Tide. So, I hope that adds a little insight to why Tyler Buckner may start at Alabama, And not at Notre Dame. I mean, you look at his chances going into the fall. He knows the offense. There's no learning curve. I'm sure Tommy has tweaked some things, but he knows the offense. He knows Tommy Reese's offense better than Sam Hartman does, or at least the Reese, now Parker offense running at Notre Dame. So Tyler's got a heck of an opportunity in front of him. And I'm really curious to see how the quarterback competition plays out. And if Tyler Buckner can win that job, that would be something. And that would make LSU against Alabama a whole lot of fun to watch. At least I'm interested. Maybe Irish fans don't care about Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, Mike Denbrock, Tyler Buckner. But, hey, I'm all in. I can't wait for Bama LSU. i got to look up what day it is. It's usually a night game. See, CBS doesn't have the SEC anymore, so we'll have to figure it out what channel it's on. But for my money, that is must-see TV. I can't wait to see how that all plays out. So, again, Tyler Buckner goes to Alabama. Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, was on the NFL Network and was asked by Andrew Siciliano moments after Tyler Buckner announced he was going to Alabama. He had to get some thoughts from the Irish head coach.
0: Also, Coach, going viral here, I have to ask you because I'm sure you've heard the news that Tyler Buckner, your quarterback, who had entered the transfer portal, announced about 20 minutes ago that he is heading to Alabama. Your reaction to that?
2: Oh, we love Tyler. Um, wishing the best of luck. Um, you know, when he made his decision to go into the portal, I told him, you know what, It's I'm always a fan of yours, and, and uh, I look forward to seeing the success he has um, at his next program.
1: All right, so... No comment in regard if the door was still open for Tyler to come back. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Sweep that key up from under the mat. It is no longer available for Tyler Buckner. 529, Darren Pritchett with you. Sportspeed on WSBT Radio. The second of three hat trick of opening topics for this Thursday. Let's talk about someone that will be here in South Bend this year, at least as of now, heck, Who knows nowadays things change in a hurry. But Notre Dame defensive lineman, Jason Onye. He was one of the breakout performers in the spring for Marcus Freeman. And we saw some of that good stuff on display during the blue goal game on Saturday. Onye with three total tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hurry. This is a big development considering the Irish are looking to build depth once again In the interior of their defensive line. Defensive line coach Al Washington on the spring and the blue goal game that Jason Onye had.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest, like a year from now, or a year ago, I should say, where he was to now. I mean, he is, he's taken off and really credit him because I think there was a point where he really could have, you know, gone the other way. You know, he could have pulled away, made excuses. Uh, It was like uh, I remember like it was yesterday. It was during the fall. He had a moment. Uh, He wasn't happy. He wasn't playing. And, you know, I would get those conversations. But he made a decision. And to his credit, he stuck through, stuck to it. And now he's kind of breaking through. He still has a lot to work on. He'd be the first to tell you. But the thing about Jason that's redeeming is he loves football. You know, and so, like, very, you know, that is what makes him special on top of the talent. His love helped him endure all those tough moments. And so he, we're counting on him to be uh, at his best. And, and to his credit, he's, he's working towards it. So um, he's got to keep working though. You know, our conversations are really, you know, um, focused on the things where he's got to improve. And I think he likes that. I don't think he likes, you know, to be told he's doing great. I'll let you guys do that. I'm telling him the stuff he needs to fix and attack. And he's kind of, this is a good state for him very bright kid too he's very sharp as a razor and so anytime he's in a situation you have a trust as a coach hey he can he can solve that problem so i love i can't say enough good things about jason and uh proud of him
1: onye 65292 he's from north providence rhode island and coach washington mentioned some of the progress he has made he got more specific in a follow-up question
2: yeah so like a year ago uh when i first got hired on he was one of those guys that was coming off injury and, and um Really hadn't had a chance to uh, really have a full uh, year or spring, um, so I think from a fundamental standpoint, he's grown. Right? He's a tall guy, uh, high hip guy. If you watch him run, you know he, he has an unbelievable gait. So like uh, interior guys, you know you're paid to play low. So sometimes it's hard, it's harder for a guy like him to play low because you get in bad spots if you're high. So for him, just the flexibility the comfort of playing in a bend and um, and really learning to come out his hips. Uh, and those are the things he's improved um, and, um, and how to an ability to use his hands. That's another area up front that is really important. So I think those are the major things he's improved on and, and things he's got to continue to master, you know, and then uh, he has a really good power rush game too, you know, so I think he's starting to feel comfortable with the type of rusher he is right. You know, so I think, um, that answers your question. I mean, that's kind of
1: the area. That's Al Washington talking about Onye, who did a really good job of disrupting the opposing offense in the Blue Goal game on Saturday. So you look at the nose guard position coming out of spring. You've got Howard Cross back for another season. Gabe Rubio, another individual that had a really good spring and Blue Goal game. And also let's add Onye now into the mix. You could have argued before... Spring got underway. Onye might have been a candidate to enter the transfer portal, but he has surged, he stuck around, and now has a chance to be in the Irish rotation. Here's Washington one more time on that group of cross, Rubio and Onye.
2: Just I think all three of those guys are learning how to play and leverage and coming off the ball. So um, one of the identifiers we want, our goal as a unit to show up, is taking the white line. That's the neutral zone. Guys that come off the ball, get their hips out in front. And so, uh, that's something that I feel they are uh, improving, you know, uh, on, in, in, coming out of their hips, the ability to use their hands, um, and they're able to get off of blocks. I think all three of those guys uh, uh, are close to 300 pounds. They're all long, and they're they're all, you know, bought in. So, man, I'm really excited about the direction those, those three guys are moving, man. I, I feel like we got a chance to, to to make some noise. So we got we to put it on the field, obviously, but it's
1: been a good spring. Defensive line play was my number one concern coming into the spring. There is still concerns there, but the way some of these players developed during the spring that might have been further down the depth chart now needing to fill the roles of key guys like the Adam and Fosky. I've got a decent amount of hope right now what this group Can become. Now we'll see when the lights shine bright against opposing offensive linemen how they do. But this was a promising spring for Al Washington and the defensive line, including guys smack dab in the middle of that front, guys like Cross Rubio and a rising player in Jason Onye. 535, our final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We've got ourselves a natural disaster. Famous line from the movie Bull Durham. But in this moment, I'm referring to the Chicago White Sox. They have not scored in 24 innings. Shut out the last two days in Toronto. 7-0, 8-0. And you look at some of the numbers. They are not pretty on the offensive side. This is an era of White Sox baseball where they were supposed to be contending for flags. Right now, they're contending to stay out of the basement. When this rebuild started, I remember on the show asking the question, is Rick Hahn the guy you want in charge of the rebuild? We've often heard that Kenny Williams, the former GM, is still on the payroll, still a big influencer in things that are happening on the field. Whatever the case may be, maybe it's on the development side, but the White Sox offense continues to take steps backward when it's supposed to be one of the strengths of this team. Offensively, the White Sox are hitting 232. Now, average isn't everything in baseball today. But for the old school fans, average is still important. That's 22nd in Major League Baseball. Now let's go more nerdy. On-base percentage, 292. That is 28th in Major League Baseball. Slugging percentage for the White Sox, 373. That is 23rd in baseball. We'll get really nerdy here. OPS, which is on-base percentage, plus slugging. That is 665, 25th in the bigs. And finally, it all comes down to scoring runs. Throw the rest away, I guess. They have scored 96 runs this year. That is 22nd in Major League Baseball. They play half their games in a ballpark where it is friendly to power hitters. But yet the White Sox with Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Juan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, the youngster Oscar Colas, this thing is, is going nowhere fast. And you look at some of the numbers happening right now with these White Sox players, it, it it makes you pause. And I said this a second ago, but I'll say it again. Development, day-to-day development, scouting reports, is everything being done to help these hitters? It just seems like they should be a whole lot better than this. White Sox team is 7 and 18. You look at Luis Robert Jr., one of the most exciting players in baseball, hitting 218 with a 240 on base. His OPS is not even 700 right now. He's got five homers and 13 RBI. He's a guy that's not going to walk a whole lot, but 33 strikeouts and 101 at bats. My guy from his days with the South Bend Cubs, Aloy Jimenez. A trip to the injured list during this season, but the numbers, not what you're looking for. 172 the average, 243 the on-base, the OPS at 555. That's horrendous. Two homers, seven RBI, 23 strikeouts, and 64 at-bats. Benintendi's... Kind of their best hitter right now, 295 average, 347 on base, no homers, 5 RBI. Tim Anderson's been okay, 298 average, 327 on base. Andrew Vaughn only has one home run. He's hitting 236 with a 340 on base. Elvis Andrus has been lousy, a 195 average. Colas, the rookie, not good, 219 average, 286 on base, a homer, 6 RBI. This is a mess. And it's so bad it makes you wonder about the bench coaches, the hitting coaches, the developments in the Sox because there are too many good players all struggling. It just points to something missing. It was very easy to point your finger at Tony La Russa last year, the manager of the White Sox. And, hey, I am Tony's biggest fan, but he had some moments last year that were head-scratching and i will not defend him he's still one of the greatest managers of all time but he just lost touch with the game lost the clubhouse whatever the case may be it it was a weird year so getting pedro grafallin to be the manager sound like a guy that's a little more hard-nosed could round up these young guys well so far the 53 year old is sitting 7 and 18. The pitching is a problem, too, but I'm just highlighting the offense today that is nowhere near to what anybody expected this year. And that wraps up maybe the longest hat trick of opening topics in this show's history. We focused on Tyler Buckner choosing Alabama, the rise of Notre Dame backup defensive lineman Jason Onye, and a White Sox south side disaster through 25 games. We'll come back with an NFL mock draft. We'll quickly run through my picks for tonight, including the Colts, the Bears, and the Lions. we got our Twitter question of the day on the way as Sportspeak continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 546 at Sports Radio 960, WSBT. We're brought to you by Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Buds for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's The Family Inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. The NFL Draft, round number one, is tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern time. On many networks, ABC, ESPN, and my preference, the NFL Network, Michael Mayer of the Fighting Irish, the outstanding tight end, should hear his name called, at some portion in round number one. Edge rusher Isaiah Fosky, more than likely we will hear from him in round number two tomorrow. So let's give this a shot. The mock draft is like the cool thing. So we'll make some predictions for what's going to happen. I think there's going to be some trades. There have not been many trades in the top nine the last few years, but I think it happens tonight. So let's get started. We will begin with the Carolina Panthers, who acquired the first pick from the Chicago Bears. The Bears, they don't need a quarterback. They got Justin Fields. So they moved down to number nine and collected other draft capital. So the Panthers move up to number one. Frank Reich is now their head coach. The Colts let him go. And the Panthers said, we'll bring in this guy that we feel like can make us a winner in particular, on the offensive side of the football. So my prediction is the Carolina Panthers with the first pick in the National Football League draft will take the former Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. The first time in Crimson Tide history, the number one pick in the draft comes from their program. Up next, the Houston Texans, do they move out of this spot? The speculation is they may not go quarterback after all. They may wait later on in the first round when they pick number 12 to take their quarterback. So let's play that game. Let's say the Texans do pass on a quarterback at number two. They're going to take the best non-quarterback available in this draft. And I believe that is another member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Edge rusher Will Anderson. I've got going to the Houston Texans at number two. Now we go to number three. This is where it really gets interesting. The Arizona Cardinals do not want to pick here. They want to move down because they don't need a quarterback. Well, they have Kyler Murray. He's out until November due to an ACL injury. But they want to get out of Dodge, and I think they will. And I've got the Tennessee Titans jumping the Colts to get to the number three spot. And with the third pick in the draft, the Tennessee Titans will take Ohio State quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Which brings us to the Indianapolis Colts. They're finally going to get a young quarterback to groom. Piecing together veteran quarterbacks the last couple of years has not worked out. So it's time for the Colts to hopefully find their franchise quarterback. And at number four, the Colts are going to go with a guy who physically is a monster. He's got a little bit of that Brady Quinn build. And that is Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky. Moving along to number five, thanks to the Russell Wilson deal, the Seattle Seahawks. will now pick at number five with the Broncos moving out of that spot. Well, Pete Carroll, we know him from his USC days. That defensive background, I think they go defense. Jalen Carter could have been the number one pick in the draft. Didn't have a great pro day. Some things off the field doesn't look good. This could be the best pick in the draft or the worst. Simply put, you just don't know. But I've got the Seattle Seahawks taking Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. At number six, we've got the Detroit Lions on the clock. This is a part of the Matthew Stafford trade from two years ago. I believe in this guy. I have no problem picking him. I think this is a can't-miss pick. The Lions at number six take Illinois cornerback Devin Witherspoon. The Raiders at seven, who knows what they're going to do. They've screwed up so many drafts. Now they do have a new front office in place. I'm going to say they go get an edge rusher. There's a lot of talk about corner. I'm going to go edge rusher for the Raiders and take Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson. We move to number eight, the Atlanta Falcons on the clock. They're going to go cornerback. Oregon's Christian Gonzalez goes to the Falcons. Now we get to the Chicago Bears, and this is the perfect situation for the Bears. No offensive tackles have gone so far. The Bears say thank you they can pencil in this guy into the starting lineup, maybe at right tackle. The Bears at number nine take Ohio State offensive tackle, Paris Johnson. To 10, the NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. They got to this spot thanks to a trade with the New Orleans Saints. There's a lot of talk about Bajan Robinson, the running back from Texas, going here. I'm going to go a different direction. More pass rushers for the Eagles. They go get Georgia edge rusher, Nolan Smith. The Titans, in my mock draft, traded with the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are now up at number 11. And they're going to go get an offensive tackle for Kyler Murray. And they will take Northwestern offensive tackle Peter skoronsky Now the drama again goes back to the Houston Texans. In my mock draft, they took edge rusher Will Anderson from Alabama at number 2. Do they take their quarterback at number 12? I say yes, and the Texans go with... Florida quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Now to the Green Bay Packers at 13. They flip spots with the Jets in the first round as part of the Aaron Rodgers deal. History says the Packers never take a wide receiver in the first round. They never did with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback. It changes tonight. The Packers at 13. They get Jordan Love some help. Jackson Smith and Jigma wide receiver, Ohio State. Now to 14, the New England Patriots seems to be a team in search of defense and a pass rusher, so they go get Iowa edge rusher Lucas Van Ness. The Jets now at 15. They need to get another offensive lineman for Aaron Rodgers, and in my mock draft, they go get Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Now to 16, the Washington Commanders are on the clock. And with the 16th pick, the Commanders take Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. At 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers will add to their defensive backfield cornerback from Mississippi State, Emmanuel Forbes. And my final pick in the mock draft, the Detroit Lions, their second pick in the first round. They took Illinois corner Devin Witherspoon at number six. At number 18, why not? The NFC North is theirs for the taking. Why not go for the big splash? The Lions at number 18 go with Texas running back Bajan Robinson. So there you go, my mock draft for tonight. The Colts go with Will Levis from Kentucky, the Wildcat quarterback. Goes at number four. The Bears get Paris Johnson, an offensive tackle from Ohio State. And the Lions get Devin Witherspoon and Bajan Robinson. We'll come back with the Twitter question of the day coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Really quick segment up against the clock, 5.59 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Beat rolls on. Here on WSBT Radio. Yesterday's Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. In the spring portion of the transfer portal, what position would you like to see Notre Dame football add a player? Three choices. Safety, defensive line, or quarterback. The voting went as followed. Third place, 10% of the vote. Quarterback. Now that would be for a backup but you've got two young guys you have recruited, developing. I think you go with those two personally. So that would not have been on my list. Second place in the voting, 23% the defensive line. I'm not sure how many stellar pass rushers are in the transfer portal right now. I agree with the majority. 67% said if Notre Dame's going to add a player in the portal during the spring portion, Of this always interesting storyline, the safety position. Safety position needs some depth, it looks like. They've got DJ Brown, Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, then question marks after that. So 67% said, yeah, give me another safety via the transfer portal. Today's question, are you glad the Chicago Bears held on to quarterback Justin Fields and did not take a quarterback at number 1 since they've traded down to number 9. Simply yes or no. We will tabulate the votes and give you the results on tomorrow's program. 601 at WSBT South Bend Sports Update is coming up in just a second. We're going to talk some high school baseball with Mishawaka head coach John Hammer coming up in about 15 minutes here on WSBT. It is 17 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Thursday evening. Budweiser's Weekday sports speak continues on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Well, we have some outstanding local high school baseball teams. Boy, the season is flying by. You've got some outstanding teams. Of course, Penn, the defending state champions. Northridge having a great season, Marion, St. Joe, and the Mishawaka Cavemen are off to an 11-1 start. They are currently in first place in the Northern Lakes Conference with a record of 5-0. And Mishawaka fans, if you want to see a really, really good baseball game, come out to Baker Park tomorrow night at 530 it is Mishawaka taking on the team chasing them in the NLC, an outstanding team, four and one Northridge, and the head coach of the Cavemen is John Hammer. He joins me here on WSBT Radio. Coach, good to be with you. How are you this evening? I'm doing great, Darren. Thank you for having me on the show. Always appreciate your time, and coach. It has been a fun fun year to be a follower of Mission Walk Athletics. You just look at the boys' side, the football team, their normal success winning a sectional, the basketball team winning their first sectional in 37 years, the wrestling team winning a state championship. I guess you've got to follow suit. You've got your team off to a great start at 11-1. and one. So give me your overall thoughts of what you've seen from your team so far this year.
3: So far, so good with the team. We've been playing well together. Uh, we were just doing the little things, as I like to tell them, that we need to do, uh, putting the ball in play, throwing strikes, making the plays. I mean, that's the big part of the game is just doing those little things because they add up to big things and winning ball games.
1: Coach, when you look at last year's lineup and your starting rotation, it basically came with you. This year, Last year was a team over 500 in the sectional semifinal. You had the lead on an outstanding Laporte team. The Slicers came back and won that game late. But knowing what you had, did you feel like this team had the opportunity? If all goes well, this could be a really, really good team.
3: Definitely. Uh, with the great uh, outlook on this season and you know, with the great group of seniors, they're very talented. They're very cohesive as a group knowing what they have done on the off season, getting in the weight room, being committed to winter workouts. It just showed that they really wanted to have a great year this year from start to finish. Even though we got a lot of work ahead of us to accomplish but these guys have really done a great job so far of getting the job done.
1: Yeah, you think about some of the seniors, and I hope I'm not leaving someone out. Normally you do, but you got Maddox Yohi, Matt Pelletier, A.J. Budd, Caden Rose, Chris Gronkowski, Peyton Jones. I mean, that's a really good nucleus of your lineup right now, Coach. And I really have been impressed with the way they situational hit. And this is a group that's been very good at putting some big old ugly numbers on the board so far this year. How do you like the way this team has handled the bats so far?
3: We've been attacking the ball pretty well. We've been working on a lot of situational hitting, uh, especially with breaking balls uh, in, in batting practice. So we're you know coaching them through uh, different situations of why we do these things and uh, you know what to look for in certain situations, and the kids are really uh, bought into what we are telling them, uh, so that way they can succeed. And it's it's evident, um, you know, with Coach Broadbender uh, teaching him well, with or working with them on hitting, uh, the kids have really bought into what he has been doing. Uh, so, he, he Coach Broadbender has been a great asset to our program, leading us with our hitters.
1: Mm. Mr. baseball coach John Hemmer my guest here on sports radio 960 WSBT the game of baseball sometimes you can have a great offense but it's all about pitching and it's all about defense coach give me your thoughts on your pitching staff so far which has been really good and one of your major assets in your rotation Maddox Joey has not even pitched so far this year
3: yeah, our pitching has done very well. Uh, that's been a very uh, su- big surprise for us. You know, with uh, Lucas Nowacki being on the hill, he's three and Tommy Tommy Heringer's three and He's going to be going tomorrow night. Uh, trade to Broke has been a big surprise. He's only a junior. Uh, he he pitched last night and did a fantastic job. Had a bad break uh, in the uh, game last night. He gave up a few runs, but those are just Nice piece, a nice piece of hitting by Northwood, but well, he's done really well. Uh, Brady Gallo coming out of the pen, you know, as our closer uh, and to finish games off, he's done really well. Uh, so just all the pitchers have done a fantastic job of, you know, working ahead, staying ahead, and uh, just being effective on all their pitches.
1: You know, Coach, I've known Brady Gallo for a long time. My son and Brady played a lot of baseball together, and I'm I'm just so impressed with what Brady has done this year, he's an individual that's actually pitching with a torn labrum, but he said, Coach, I want to pitch this year. I think this could be a special team. Probably will have to have some med- medical things done in the future, but what does it say about a young man willing to go out there and win games for your team, knowing that you know everything's not perfect right now on the shoulder?
3: Well, he just loves playing baseball, but again, he loves his team at how, you can't say anything more about that because he just works so hard. He loves playing baseball. He's determined. He wants to go pitch in college. Uh, he just wants to win for his teammates. So when when you're, he's setting his team above himself, that says a lot about him.
1: Well said, well said. Well, Coach, this is a team that I'm sure has a lot of goals that they are still hoping to achieve. Is that something you lay out for your team what you want to accomplish, or they talk to you about what they want to accomplish, what are conversations like in the preseason with your team?
3: Well, we talk about uh, what to expect for the you know the high school season because most of these kids don't really understand what it go, what they can achieve, you know both as a team and as an individual. So you know we focus you know from the with the end in mind with uh, winning state, winning conference. Uh, winning sectionals, you know, and then breaking it down to winning every game. And then with individuals, they, we talk about, you know, winning, being MVP, being all conference, all academic, all state, all state. There's so many things that these kids can look forward to, but then we also talk to them uh, and get their input about what they want to achieve. So that gives them a sense of ownership of their direction of how they want to have their season.
1: Coach, I really enjoy playing baseball in the Northern Lakes Conference. It never feels like you have a gimme game in this conference. And the other thing that I really appreciate – you get to play home and away against everybody in your conference. And there aren't many sports or baseball conferences that give you that opportunity. I think it really shows you who the best team in the conference is having that type of schedule and rotation. I like your thoughts about playing baseball in the NLC and what it means to win a conference possibly where you play everybody twice.
3: Well, it does prove to see who the better team is in the conference. These, these, all these schools that we play against, are uh, very good. They're very well coached. Anybody can beat anybody, any day of the week. Uh, there's very good talent. Uh, just amazing how each team has at least three to four, maybe even five players that are very solid that could actually tear, uh, do some damage, uh, in helping their teams win. Um, you know, it's, so we just got to come prepared every day to be able to play. There's, there's no day off with any of these schools that we play against.
1: And the great thing is about a baseball schedule, you can still schedule some really good non-conference games, and you left the NIC for the NLC, but, Coach, you still play Penn. You still play South Bend Adams. You got Marion and St. Joe still on the schedule. So I'm assuming that's very important, not only to keep rivalries alive, but, man, it is great competition.
3: Definitely. And to be the best, you got to play the best. And all those schools that you just mentioned are pretty dang good. And that's only going to help us get better as a team, get us ready for conference, and hopefully get us ready to go into state where teams are going to be playing at their highest level to hopefully go down to state.
1: You know, Coach, obviously when you get to later on in the year, conference titles are on the line or in the postseason – Oftentimes, against those really good teams, you have to manufacture runs. And with the way you run your team, there are times you lay down bunts successfully to move runners along. Players do that themselves by hitting the ball to the right side. But, you know, another part, one big swing can turn around a game. And with some of the power bats you have on this team – it seems like, Coach, you can play small ball, but also I guess you could play a little Earl Weaver ball too and wait for that long ball because you've got some guys who have slugged it out of the park this year, and I think there's some other guys without a home run that still are capable of doing some damage.
3: Yes, it's a good mixture of power and playing small ball with these guys. Uh, it's just coming down to execution and getting the pitch that they hitters can drive. Uh, we've hit the ball fairly well so far, um, putting the ball in play, putting the pressure on, and taking advantage of every base that we can. Uh, that's really helped us uh, win these ball games.
1: Well, I mentioned, Coach, there's a really big game coming up with Mishawaka being at home, taking on a terrific Northridge team tomorrow night. First pitch is coming up at 5.30. Why don't you offer fans a little insight if they come out to the ballpark, the type of competition they should expect to see tomorrow night?
3: Well, big game tomorrow night against Northridge. Northridge is very well coached. They've got some really good talent with Gavin Collins being one of the top hitters in the state. Uh, He, I believe, is a uh, preseason All-American with his hitting uh, there's other players that could do. Uh, they're very good. Max Horner, he's a very good player. Jethro Hockstetler, he's good. Uh, they have some good at b- batters in their lineup, uh, but they also have a couple good pitchers. Uh, we're gonna see uh, the Plank kid tomorrow night. Is my guess. Uh, I haven't seen him in the box scores for War- uh, for North Ridge uh, this week, and uh, Quade. Uh, Carrington pitched uh, last night, so my guess is we're going to see Plank. We saw him last year at the 4 Winds field, and he pitched really well. Uh, But I think after we've seen him a couple of times already, we should be ready for him.
1: Coach, if this game is half as exciting as that Northridge-Mishawaka game at 4 Winds field last year, people are going to get their money's worth. I'm trying to remember as we're talking, did it go – 10, 11 innings, I, I can't even recall now, but all I know is it was nail-biting and Mishawaka walked it off and fireworks were set off over the top before Winsfield.
3: Yeah, I believe that game went 11 innings. Yeah. Uh, it went back and forth. Either team could have scored the, that winning run in any of those extra innings. And then we, A.J. Budd hit the walk-off uh, base hit to score Matt Pelletier. Uh, and then to get the fireworks, uh, that was uh, beyond expectations for that. So thank you uh, for the people at Four Winds for doing that for us. But I think they would have set out those fireworks for a, an amazing game that was just being played on their field.
1: Mm. And I guess finally, even though sectionals are a long time away, the sectional pairings come out Sunday, is that correct?
3: Sectional pairings come out on Sunday at 8 o'clock um, our time. And uh, let's see what kind of draw we get uh, out of that. I don't remember if we're at Plymouth or we're at LaPorte, but either way it's going to be a tough, tough sectional, especially with LaPorte and Adams being in that sectional.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Adams has two terrific left-handed pitchers to throw in that sectional, but the Mishawaka Cavemen are going to be a force as well, 11-1 and on the season, 5-0 and in the NLC, and they will host a terrific Northridge team tomorrow, 5.30 first pitch at Baker Park. Well, Coach, thank you for doing this. Congratulations on the success of the Cavemen so far this year, and good luck tomorrow night. Appreciate it, Darren. Have a great night. You too. Thank you, Coach. John Hammer, head coach of the Mishawaka-Cayman baseball team. My guest here on WSBT Radio 631 at WSBT.